0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm glad to have this guest on the show today. He's been on before. With a uh, friend, former business partner. I'm I'm assuming you're still friends, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Luke Petroza from Charleston, South Carolina. Luke, did I pronounce your last name right?
1: Yeah, that's right, Joe. I'm excited to be here, man. Thanks so much for for having me on.
0: Glad you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about how Luke had a goal last month to close over $100,000, and he... Didn't do that, but he still did phenomenally well. And you know, a good thing about missing your goal, Luke, is now you've got another month or two months where you can meet your goal, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll
0: talk about what Luke did, and Luke's got a really cool story. I'm excited about sharing it. So first off, guys, I want to let you know, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please go to iTunes, leave a review, let us know that you like it. You can get all of our previous episodes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. And a lot about what we're going to be talking about today has to do with wholesaling. And if you are kind of new to the business, you don't know what wholesaling is, we have a free course on wholesaling that you can get at the website, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Or you can just text the word FLIP to 313131. Again, text the word FLIP to 313131, and it's an entire course from beginning to end, soup to nuts, on how to wholesale deals, and it's basically cutting out all of the extra fluff and just giving you the bare bones basics, like if you're starting from scratch, this is what you need to do. And it's a mind map, and the mind map is broken up into like 12 videos. You get the videos for each section of the mind map, and you get a transcription of each of the videos as well. So go to flipmindmap.com or text the word flip to 313131 and we'll get that over to you. Cool. So let's jump in. I'm excited about this episode, Luke. How are you?
1: Good, Joe, man. How's everything with you?
0: Awesome. As I'm recording this, there's a little hurricane heading your way. What's the latest? What's the latest with that?
1: Uh, Just a little one. Yeah. So we don't know. I think by tomorrow or so, we're going to have to figure out if we need to evacuate or not. So right now they're telling us that it might be a little bit more towards North Carolina, but you know how those things go. So we'll just wait and see. How close are you to the coast? We are right on the coast. So we are in Charleston right now. So if it's going to hit us, you know, straight on, we're going to probably have to pack up the kitties and go. So.
0: Wow. All right. All right. Well, (laughs) we we pray for you that everything will be all right. Thank you. By the time everybody's listening to
1: this, it's
0: either going to be a big deal not or not a deal? Yeah. <laughs> not a big deal. All right. So, Luke, go back a little bit. Rewind. How did you get started in real estate?
1: Yeah. So you know, it's been it's been a journey, man. And everybody has theirs, right? So for me, um, it started talking to my dad about a couple things. Um, eventually, came across the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, and that's what kind of sparked it. Um, just in terms of the passive income piece. so started getting into uh, some of the ria groups and stuff when I was living up in Pittsburgh, bought a few courses, went through those, and you know started a wholesale a few properties here and there, just kind of on the side. And uh, at the time, I was still working my full-time job at the engineering firm that I was working for. and basically, you know, just kind of realized that it was something that you weren't going to be able to, you know build the kind of life that I really wanted to do and have with the job. so, I kind of started to look at it a little bit more seriously, I would say, you know, probably mid-20, 2015, 2016. And by the end of 2016, uh, Joe, this is right when, you know, you and I kind of started to get together, I think. And I, we had met for the first time around there, but actually left my job back in November of 2016 um, and have been doing it full-time ever since. So it's been that's a fun ride.
0: Only, that's less than two years ago.
1: I know. Could you picture that you'd be where you are today? I am not. No, I could not. It's uh it's still you got to wake up and kind of smack yourself sometimes and it's it's something that um you know and I I've, I've said this to other folks but you know like there's no reason that nobody you can't do this like and it doesn't come down to you know having the the time or the money or the resources like if you put your head down and actually just do the stuff that you can learn from people like Joe and others that are out there like just go do the work and you can succeed at this there's really not that much to it
0: nice nice well indulge me for a little bit Luke how did you find out about me how'd you find out about the podcast
1: yeah so you actually uh, so I'm a huge tech nerd I love the technology side of things and I kept hearing about this system called Podio and so i kept you know researching podio and i was trying to find people that knew how to do this stuff and i was starting to try to create my own workspace kind of thing do not do that if you are listening to this please do not do that and then i came across your name and i was like uh, i think it was Podio, Podio Joe. Is that right? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. So I saw, you know, you had a ton of content and stuff out there. And I'm like, who is this Joe guy? He was, you know, trying to basically answering all the questions that I had at that time. Um, so I started following you, hopped onto the podcast and then came across your automated wholesaling and wholesaling lease options courses um, that were incredible. And like for me being a You know, very, very engineering type mind. I need stuff that's very structured and laid out. And the way that you put your stuff together, including like the mind maps and everything, it was just, it hit me right at the perfect time, man. So thank you. Really do appreciate it.
0: Awesome, man. Thanks. And you started right out the gate wholesaling some deals pretty quickly. You had a business partner. What were you guys doing? And how did you start doing so many deals?
1: Yeah. So we had a, you know, a couple different things, right? I started getting into lease options a little bit myself. And then we ended up partnering up with some, you know, some capital uh, that was available to be able to spend on a lot of properties and, you know, started doing a lot of volume, really came down to, you know just the time spent on it right it was a it was a very very stressful period of time you know in my life personally at least yeah and it was something that you know it's difficult right you gotta you gotta balance the the different things in life you know it's not just about making money and profits and having a successful business but you know the quality of that life right if you're if you're spending all of your time having to to work and constantly be on call and running around like you know what is it worth to you to to not have to do that stuff so you know, really, you know, not to say that we're not so working really hard right now, because we are, and we're trying to get out of that mode. But really, the next phase for us is to try to get more so out of that and start to be able to take back some of our time and, and have control over those things. And, and really, when you look at it, that's, you know, that's why you start this in the first place. So just haven't had the uh, priority placed properly, I guess, to this point.
0: Huh. Okay. Talk about why, if you don't mind me asking, why was it stressful? What What was going on?
1: Yeah, it's just um, you know, it's just a lot of commotion. I don't know if there's a good word for it, right? But I've I've not done a deal that has been the same as any others very yeah, much. Like it, it's always something. Point. You know, there's always some kind of fire or something that's in there that pops up and you just have to kind of deal with it. So we're really trying to streamline everything like we're you know, we're really trying to get it down to be like, hey, if this does not fit in this lane, which is what we want ours to be, you know, we're not going to do it. So we're trying to really cut down a lot of the different pieces and moving parts so that it's, hey, this is our model. Here's what we're doing. And if it's outside of that, then, you know, we're not going to take it on.
0: So you said we are you talking about your business
1: partner? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, my girl is Mish and Misha and, uh, nice. so she is my business partner and better half and the whole brains behind the whole thing. And, uh, she makes sure that I am always doing the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. So she's amazing.
0: Good. And she helps you with a lot of the, what, what does she help you with?
1: So it's it's kind of right now our main, you know, our main strategy is wholesaling and she definitely has the ability to stay on top of stuff like she's a very good details person, organizer person, and I am the worst at that. So, mm. you know, it's it's a good combination where she handles a lot of the, you know, communications with folks and, you know, scheduling of stuff that needs to have happen in terms of inspections, appointments, all that kind of stuff. And um, I, I handle a lot of more of the, the marketing, um, some of the sales piece of it, and then the disposition side of it is kind of still on my plate right now as well.
0: All right. You guys were doing before, not you and Misha, but your former business partner, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing quite a few number of deals per month. What were some of the numbers you guys were doing?
1: Uh, yeah, they were, oh man, uh, probably at least, you know, we hit... Thirty on pretty consistently. I would say thirty to forty a month was kind of the the range that we were dabbling in at that time. Nice. And were people bringing you deals? Is that how it worked? Uh, yeah, some. Um, it was a combination. Um, we did a lot of marketing ourselves, and then we also worked with a good number of wholesalers and some other folks that would bring us properties to to close as well. Yep.
0: And how did that work? Did you just have a um, access to a lot of money from some institutional buyers, or what?
1: Yep, That's exactly it, man. And we still work with them. You know, it's been something that is a a good relationship and uh, you know, that's what really we've been focusing on is to get more of those types of relationships. And you know, for, for institutional hedge fund, there's a lot of different terms that are thrown around. Um, but you know the the benefits of having something like that is if you go and have a property, for instance, right? Let's say that you have this this house is on the same street where you know that they just bought a few other the same houses. You have a, a really good idea as to like you know what are they going to be interested in, right? Like what are they looking for a house in like that you know, particular about the area, the size, the square footage, the bedrooms, the baths, all the stuff that you kind of try to have to figure out ahead of time and then normally go out and try to find a buyer for, you kind of already know what they're looking for. So it kind of takes some of the, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it in terms of finding the stuff that your buyers are actually going to want. And it just, you know, it speeds it up a little bit in terms of the, you know, expectation, I guess, to close more property. So you, you have to streamline when you're dealing with folks like that in terms of, you know, a lot of, transactions a lot of capital a lot of closings but yeah that's uh just kind of how we how we managed it
0: nice all right so then i guess the question a lot of people are wondering is are there still institutional buyers you know kind of like hedge funds or big buyers that are out there buying houses in this market even though it's like rebounding and prices are going up
1: surprisingly and i don't know why But yes, like there are tons out there. I was actually shocked. And there are still a lot of people out there that are buying at a huge level. And it's, yeah, you just got to find them. But they are definitely out there.
0: let's talk about how do you find them? I just had a question this morning from somebody on Facebook. How do you find these big buyers?
1: (laughs) It is a good question. So it's actually what I'm working on right now. Like I said, I'm trying to make more of these relationships. We have a few others that we've lined up. Um, in terms of the past few months or so. And, you know, honestly, one uh, one lost social media source that I think a lot of people forget about, um, and it just kind of gets pushed to the wayside, is LinkedIn. Mm. And we've been using LinkedIn a lot. Um, we have a, you know, kind of a system set up that we've been finding, you know, what to search for and how to start to build relationships with these people. And, you know, what kind of titles and stuff do you look for and all those kinds of things. But LinkedIn is a great resource to go on and find, you know, really any kind of business partners, relationships, client, customer base, anything on there. I've actually been enjoying that a lot lately. So check it out. If you do not have a LinkedIn profile, go sign up for one.
0: Well, what do you look for in LinkedIn?
1: You know, combination of a whole bunch of stuff. It really comes down to what you're, what you're trying to do. If you're looking for like a, like a hedge fund type, um, a few of the, you know, the titles that you can search out in terms of, you know, types of people and stuff, acquisitions, director, director of acquisition, some kind of title like that, any type of property managers or anything like that that may be associated with, you know, the keywords like institutional or hedge fund or anything like that. Um, you know, just a few, few of the examples that you could start with. And then really what I found is you're probably not going to get on the first shot the person that you need to talk to just based off of LinkedIn. But the goal is to get somebody that's involved in the organization that you can actually talk to somehow, whether it's on the phone or, you know, some type of personal communication outside of just like a text message or uh, LinkedIn, you know, inbox message or something and be able to have a conversation with these people and just find out what they're looking to do. You know, are they, are they looking to grow? Are they kind of scaling back a little bit? Are they in, you know, what, what type of phase and model are they in for their business right now and find out how you can help and if you can figure out like hey you know these people are looking to grow they're looking to increase their portfolio in these particular areas then once you know that um, you can go out and find them so
0: so are you looking do you kind of know what markets are buying in and then you go look for who's buying properties in that market or are you going to find them the big buyers first and see where they're buying does that make sense
1: yeah, exactly. Great question. Um, so it's, I would say it's both, but more as of late, I've been focusing on the latter. So I've actually been trying to go out and find new relationships first and then finding out the kind of the criteria after the fact, but you know, it, it works either. Right. And the easiest way is to find, find one that's already you know, performing in areas, right. And find a wholesaler or find a, a rehab or somebody that's working with that fund or somebody already, and then just connect with them and, and just see, you know, what areas they're buying, how can they help all those kinds of things. But yeah, you can do it either way, really.
0: Oh, I love what you said there. Find a wholesaler that's already working with those hedge funds, right. And then find out if there's a way you could partner with that wholesaler and give them some really good leads.
1: Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's taught taught by somebody but yeah um, you know, part, <laughs> partnering with wholesalers is a great way to do this business and it's something that just my opinion like the easiest way to to kind of get started on a lot of this stuff is being surrounding being surrounded with the right people and if you can find a really good partnership whether it's you know, somebody on the ground where you don't have the time and they have the time, right? You have to have that partnership that makes sense in terms of here's what value you're providing to the partnership. And here's the value that the other person or partner is providing as well. And they have to make sense because if both of you have a whole bunch of time, but nobody knows what they're doing, that's going to be tough. Right. Yeah. If you both know exactly what you're doing, but have no time, that one's going to be tough. So you got to, you got to try to figure out what mix works well. And like perfect example is, you know, you and Gavin, like you guys work awesome together, right? Like Gavin's got a lot of the the sales side of it and he's like super, super good with all that. And like, you have all of like the, the business mindset and like all of the, the stuff that, you know, you put together and you guys work really well together. And, you know, I would, I would ask you, you know, how did you guys kind of come together and, and figure out that that was a good good partnership that made sense.
0: That's a great question. We, well, I'm always looking for good people and Gavin went to a workshop that I was doing in Spain, Marbella, Spain or Barcelona, Spain, one of those two areas. And then uh, I knew he started doing deals. He was doing deals virtually while working his job. And, um, then just, I, you know, we, somehow we talked and we started working together and, um, yeah, it's been really cool. And, then, and lately, we've been doing deals in some of the same markets as you are. But it was just, again, you find somebody that's doing deals already. And then we approached them and said, hey, you want to partner with us? We know how to get leads. We know how to get the phone to ring. Let's talk and maybe we can do some business together. And then one thing opened up, you know, one thing after the other. Um, so it is, it's about networking. And I think a lot of people mistakenly look at quote-unquote competition, other wholesalers, other wholesalers as competition, and I think we need to start looking at them as potential partners. Yeah. Because a lot of what I teach in automated wholesaling, and that was a course you were talking about, which, by the way, it's closed right now if anybody listening to this is interested, but when I reopen it again, in automated wholesaling, we're looking for other wholesalers to partner with that have something that we don't have, and we have something they don't have. Which basically, when I was starting to do this, it was just, you know what? I've got the money and the systems to invest in the marketing, but I don't have the time to talk to sellers. What if I partner with a local boots on the ground guy and I can do the marketing, I can pre-screen the leads and then give them to that local wholesaling guy and we'll partner on the deals. And so we've done lots and lots, made hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. So you're, you're doing these deals virtually, right? Look, These are not deals that you're doing in Charleston.
1: That is correct. Yep. Uh, we're working three markets right now. And I very rarely leave my house unless I need to. So I uh, everything's on the phone computer. Um, we do have folks that we we have in place on the ground. You still have to be able to do a lot of that stuff on the ground. But um, Mish and I both work from home every day. And it's uh, it's pretty awesome. It's one of the things that we you know, at the beginning of this year and just over the past, you know, five or six months as we've kind of pivoted and shifted our direction and company and everything it's something that we really made a key point to do because it was something that we're we're both introverted homebodies and like to be as you know kind of tucked away sometimes when we like to be and yeah. uh, it's just something that I enjoy you know I don't I don't have to be out and running around all the time that just it kind of stresses me out and it's too much so I like working from home and that was uh, one of the non-negotiables that we made sure that we had in place when we started this.
0: When are you guys going to start traveling and and doing deals from? South America or Europe? Or like
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we uh, we do have some travel plans. Um, we're we have a few events and things and stuff coming up over the next few months. So we do get out, you know, when we want to go um, and, and spend time with some cool people. So we've got to get over to Europe here coming up soon. I think that might be might be sometime next year. So
0: well, that's awesome. I mean, looking at what you do, is there any reason why you couldn't do what you do from? you know, uh, Venice, Italy, or, or Barcelona, Spain?
1: No, absolutely not. We could, we could do it anywhere. As long as I have internet and a phone Um, and even just internet, I guess, really, you know, you don't even need the cell phone anymore. You can still call online and stuff. So as long as you have internet. Awesome. Pretty amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of these deals that you're doing. What does it look like? How do you do a typical deal from start to finish?
1: So, you know, it's pretty, pretty standard process in terms of like a wholesaling transaction. So I'll just kind of start with that as the big picture. But so we we do a lot of different types of marketing right now. We're still using probably about 70 percent direct mail. I know that it's, you know, gone gone down as of late, but uh, it's a tried and true thing that has worked for us. And I'm hesitant to you know try to change things that are are already working. So we still do probably about 70% direct mail. We do some Facebook advertising as well. And we've been getting into that a little bit more heavily as of late and that's actually going really well. So that's kind of a cool little tool that hasn't, you know, I haven't really spent too much time on and uh, we have a partner that works with us on the ads and stuff for that. So Facebook's a component and then we are actually starting to uh, there's a cold calling course that I just hopped into not too long ago that oh. we're going to be following you guys. Um, so excited to get into the automated mojo. What a wise,
0: it, so. what a wise investment.
1: <laughs> so thank you, Joe.
0: There's a uh, just so y'all know, there's a course we just released called Automated Mojo, and it's how what we're doing uh, in cold calling in doing deals. We've done. I'm not kidding. No hype. Man, I, I sent an email the other day, Luke, and somebody started cussing me out in the email reply, saying I'm so full of it, and uh, I was just shocked. Like, why? I, you know, I I don't lie about these things. But anyway, yeah. we've done a, a well over hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the last one to two months. I'd say six weeks in wholesaling profits from cold calling. In, in our two markets. And so we just did a course teaching how to do it. And it, we, we didn't hold anything back. And it's pretty cool. If anybody's interested in that, you can go to automatedmojo.com. Automatedmojo.com. We got Mojo from the software that we use. We use Mojo Cells for the cold calling. It's pretty amazing. You're still doing direct mail, and I'm glad you are. You should never stop that because it does work. And believe it or not, fewer investors are doing it now than maybe a year ago because it's been, it's gotten harder. So the waves of direct mail kind of go up and down where you get a lot of competition and then everybody gets scared and leaves and stops doing that and does something else. And so you should always consistently be doing direct mail. I think you should have two or three different types of marketing you're doing consistently every single day. And uh, good for you. Now, if you start just adding on cold calling, oh boy, watch out!
1: Yeah, it should be fun, man. So you know we're uh, all
0: right, but yes, yeah, talk about the, you, you're doing the marketing. Talk about what happens then. You get a you do the marketing, you start yep. getting leads. What happens?
1: Yeah, so we we have the marketing going out. Um, if it's like inbound calls and things, we do try to handle those live. We have um, a couple. Uh, I still take some calls, but not not as much. We have a couple folks that help us with the phone calls. Uh, try to answer as many as we can live. We gather information. And those, then, when you
0: when you get the incoming calls, is that virtual mm-hmm. assistants in the Philippines or local people or what?
1: Uh, they are local U.S.-based uh, lead managers. Yes. <laughs> so we, we've tried a few different virtual assistants. We are potentially looking at bringing on a few others for the cold calling side. But as of right now, our inbound marketing is handled by somebody locally.
0: Nice. Okay. Is it a private individual that works for you or do you hire a company like a call center?
1: It is. It's a private individual. Yep. it's um. it's somebody that I've found that just because of the way that we kind of do it and, you know, not any special way or anything. But I for me, it's just easier to kind of standardize what I'm teaching to one person yeah. as opposed to. Try to get a group to understand, hey, I need, you know, like just the technical stuff, right? Like these buttons need to be clicked and this form needs to be filled out and all that kind of stuff. So it's just been easier for us. And uh, I like the I like having the the live person that's based in the U.S. as well. It just makes it a little bit easier conversation. We've got some great responses from folks and closings and stuff after the fact that they're like, Hey, you guys did a really good job. It was nice to be able to talk to somebody, you know, and I I don't know if you'd necessarily get that same piece with some of the virtual assistants and stuff that come from overseas. Um, that's just my opinion. Like I, I have other virtual assistants and they do an amazing job, but it's just like that particular initial phone call. I really like having somebody that is either in the market or knows the market that could answer some questions and stuff intelligently when they come up. Otherwise it, it seems to kind of be, you know, you're chasing your tail a little bit after the fact otherwise.
0: All right. So are they answering the phones live? Yes. And if they can't, then they call them back right away?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, we try to get, so we have, you know, different, different stuff in Podio. Um, it's all tracked in there. Uh, we use beast mode from Don, uh, amazing CRM if anybody is looking to check that out, but it's a, basically, you know, we have certain categories and fields and stuff that need to be cleared out every, you know, every so often each day. And the goal is to have no new leads that weren't contacted. So we want everybody contacted within at least a, uh, 24 hour period.
0: Okay. And then what kind of pre-screening are you doing? With these calls incoming calls,
1: yeah, the basics um, not too much, it's real, just kind of situation based it's not as much about the properties, you know it's really trying to figure out what the seller is looking to do, and a lot of the times people will call and you know they're they're hesitant, right they got this card in the mail or they saw your ad or whatever it is. you kind of have to you know get them to lower their defenses a little bit in order to help them and if if they're you know, that's what I consider our job to be, right? Like we are the people that need to understand a situation and try to come up with the the solution that works for them and present it right. And it's their decision whether or not that's the, the best solution for them. But you know, your job as a, as a wholesaler, as an investor is to go out, find these people and establish a relationship so that you can truly understand what is going on in their life. And they're not just going to tell you that, right? Like you can't just, Hey, Oh my gosh, I lost, my house and my business and everything is crashing to the ground. Like people don't just come out and tell you that kind of stuff. Right. But that's the kind of thing where it's like, if you can understand that and, and try to really you know empathize and feel what they're going through, you'll be able to make a connection with them. And that's what can, you know, will win you the deal if you look at it from that perspective as opposed to somebody else, you know, it's not just a, a transaction. If you actually care about the people and really try to solve a problem in their life, you know, that's invaluable. So go out and do, do good. <laughs>
0: nice. Okay. So are they, how much pre-screening or filtering out is that initial answering person doing? Are they just asking basic questions about their situation and then passing the lead on to you? Or are they making offers?
1: Uh, so yeah, but either. And basically we have a set of criteria that, you know, we get, uh, I think it's, you know, a couple of questions, you know, how, what's the address, that kind of stuff, contact information, Um, a little bit about the property, but then, you know, talk more about the situation and if it's something where the situation is very you know apparent and there's some urgency and definitely some motivation to do something then yeah we try to move it and if it's if they're ready for an offer if if it if the conversation goes well we can make them an offer right then and if it's something where you know sometimes there's other other things involved other people involved that kind of thing you know we just kind of handle those as a as a one-off type case by case basis, I guess. So it really depends on the situation, but the ones that come in, I guess I'll say it like this, the ones that come in really apparent that we can do something. And if it seems like a good deal, depending on what criteria and stuff we've selected, we'll try to move those as quickly as we can get them under contract and, uh, and push it.
0: Sounds good. Then let's say it becomes a motivated seller lead. Who's the one who closes them? Do you close it on the phone or do you send somebody there in person?
1: It depends. like I said, we're we're probably at about you know 70, 30 as to how many of these we do over the phone strictly, and that's typically handled with our team. And then I would say about 30% of them we don't get done on the phone. and then we have our our partners and wholesalers and folks that we kind of work with um, do some of the boots on the ground and potentially meet them, maybe get something signed in person, that kind of thing. But we do try to do it on the phone as much as possible.
0: Nice. And how many
1: different markets are you in, Luke? Uh, so we are in Jackson, Mississippi, Columbia, South Carolina, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania right now. So we've trimmed down to about three three main markets.
0: And what percent of your marketing goes to each market?
1: Uh, so Pittsburgh is a little bit different. My folks are up there, my whole family's up there. They are licensed, so we're kind of working on a different project. I'm not actually doing any direct marketing uh, in Pittsburgh right now. It's more on the, the agent side of it. And then Columbia and Jackson, Mississippi, um, the majority, I want to say probably about seven sixty five seventy 65, 70% of our marketing goes to Jackson. And the other, you know, 30, 35 or so is in Columbia, South Carolina.
0: Now, why did you pick these markets? I know you said because the institutional buyers you're working with are buying there. Is that the only reason?
1: Uh, So that's one of the main ones. Um, I also lived in Colombia, so I'm very familiar with that market. Um, and we lived there for three or so years and I lived in Pittsburgh. So th- those are two markets that I've lived in. And then Jackson is, uh, one that we've had. And Misha is definitely the, the relationship holder with a lot of the good folks in the Jackson, Mississippi area. And she's just done a really good job. And, uh, honestly, if Misha wasn't with me, I probably wouldn't be in Jackson right now. And it's something that she just knows a lot of the good people and has really, worked hard on getting a, a solid system set up so that we're able to do this, um, and move stuff through pretty consistently with them. So yeah, it's uh, just about the ties.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about like, what is it in these markets? Like why Jackson, Mississippi, is that a good fix and flip rehab market or is it a good landlord market? Why do the big buyers, institutional buyers like these markets?
1: Definitely on the rental side. Yes. So yeah. 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 It's uh, why are they yeah, looking for
0: why are they looking for rentals?
1: I don't know, man. I uh, <laughs>
0: I guess it doesn't matter, does it?
1: Yeah, no, it, it really is. Like, you know, the I think when it comes down to it, like the way that I've kind of looked at it is a lot of the institutional type buyers and stuff, right? Like they're, they're more of a financial you know, company or, or, or entity or whatever you want to call it. And a lot of the times, you know, real estate, you can run it, you have to run it by the numbers, but to understand, you know, kind of some of the ins and outs and stuff, it's hard to really put numbers on a lot of this thing. And when you're looking at it from a perspective of, okay, here's, you know, here's a 6% I'm going to get on this kind of thing. And, and you kind of break it down by the numbers. I think a lot of it gets missed in terms of like, you know, kind of the outlook in the market and, and what you're looking at from a, you know, just almost like more of a personal touch on it. And I think because of that, like the, the numbers are very attractive, right? So for instance, Jackson, like it's a very good rental market. So when you go in there and you say, Hey, I can buy these houses for, you know, $5,000 that have a tenant in it for 500 bucks a month. And it's like, yeah, that's like an insane return. It looks really good. And then, but you really have to watch just getting into it because, um, you know, it could be misleading sometimes, I guess, is the is the point.
0: Do you tend to stay away from the war zones or do you, you go into the war zones?
1: I avoid them if I can. So you get some of them every once in a while, but I, I don't own any like that. Um, I don't want anything like that. And any rentals that I would hold personally, I would not have in those types of areas. But a lot of folks do, and it's uh, it's a good model if you can do it. I just don't have the... The tough, tough love, I guess you you need to have in those kinds of <laughs> situations. Yeah. I'm too nice.
0: <laughs> well, the point I'm trying to make is, I think that where these buyers are buying, that's where you want to be. And if yeah. you know they're looking for rentals, they're looking for ROI, and you can't get ROI in Los Angeles, California, or Brooklyn, New York. Where can you get ROI? Where can you buy those properties that are fifty to a hundred thousand dollars that rent for eight or nine hundred dollars a month? that can give the investors 10%, maybe 12%, 8 to 12% cash on cash on their money or ROI, return on investment, right? So those are the markets that right now, I think, are the easiest to wholesale deals in. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Right. Luke, can you dive in a little deeper on your team? So I understand you and Misha are kind of the acquisition team, but you're doing some dispositions. But like in in one of your markets, how does your – what does your team look like on the ground?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'll kind of start with I guess let's go with Jackson and basically we have you know a a couple of wholesaling partners. so we have a couple of wholesalers in the area that we work with on the acquisition side and you know it's a combination of acquisition and and dispo depending on what we need. but there's a couple of wholesalers that we work with. Our team is set up so that we have like our lead manager. And the acquisitions piece, um, she does some of that. Mish handles a lot of the coordination of all the parts in between. And then I've been doing the disposition and closing side of it, but I'm actually hiring, just hired a closing coordinator to kind of take that piece off and then so really the partnership in terms of how it works with you know handoff from our team to the folks on the ground like I said if we can handle it all on the phone that typically stays all the way with us throughout the process if it's something where we can't do it all over the phone normally the handoff points would be after we take the lead screen it set up some type of appointment and then the wholesaler would go out to the property and kind of do their thing get it under contract close it and then we just hear about it typically after the fact The other type of situation is if we get a property that we can do most of it on the phone, like say we get a contract or something done, but we can't then move it on the disposition side. We are not having much luck with finding a buyer. Maybe our, you know, current buyers list didn't want it. Um, we'll we'll reach out to other wholesalers in the area and say, Hey, anybody have a buyer for this? We'd love to split it with you guys. So, you know, it's a kind of a combination of both depending on where we are at in our process. But, you know, anytime we need to work with somebody on the ground, that's kind of how the pass off works.
0: Okay. And then how do you pay your boots on the ground people that you work with? How do you split the deal?
1: Yeah, so it really there's kind of like two it's always two, man. really realizing how convoluted this has become. So <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's good for me to to go through this. But um basically if it's a straight like you know, automated wholesaling type deal where we take the, we do the marketing, we take the call, we get the lead, we screen it, we set up an appointment and then pass it off. Typically, we split those 50-50. Um, if it's something where, you know, we've taken it further into the acquisitions process, we've gotten the contract, um, something like that. And we're like, you know, just needing that last little piece to plug in. Um, we'll do like a 70-30 kind of thing on that. And likewise, if people bring us deals, um, typically we split them seventy thirty with the wholesaler. They actually get the the seventy on those types. So
0: nice. Okay, so then talk about your numbers, if you don't mind. You had a goal to do a hundred thousand dollars last month.
1: Or we did. Was, it, was yes. that
0: July or August? I'm not sure. Uh, for
1: August. Yeah. Okay. So we're just in first week of September here. So.
0: And you had a goal to do a hundred, but you only did what?
1: Yeah, we were a little short. Um, we did hit seventy, which was awesome. Um, that is
0: very awesome.
1: Good yeah. for you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was, uh, you know, a lot of the you hear the hundred k a month thing a lot of. It's always been a number that I wanted to hit, so we're still pushing towards it, but uh, we're getting closer.
0: Well, talk about your numbers to get you there. Like, do you track? Do you track your KPIs of, you know, how many leads per deal or your average cost per lead, things like that.
1: Yes, I do and I should probably have that up so but yeah I mean it's it's a lot of a lot of direct mail um, let me pull up our campaigns here while we're looking at it but you know really the main source of, of that month in particular and, and you know September is actually looking to be very similar in terms of what we have in the pipeline and stuff right now but uh, just looking across so our so total cost here, Oh man. So cost per appointment on the campaigns, we have four of our main ones right now. We're at about $29 an appointment, 75, 70, and this one, a relatively newer one, $330 an appointment. And all of those are, uh, direct mail campaigns right now. Cool. And so let me take a look at the actual cost per cost per lead here.
0: And do you consider a lead anybody that just calls in, like anybody that responds to a postcard?
1: Uh, so yeah, a lead a lead to us is like somebody that responds and is not telling us just to to go away. So it has to be somebody that's like at least you know at least interested and in, and in not somebody that's uh, you know cursing you out or anything like that on the, the phone or something like that. We don't consider those leads, but in order to get from a lead that's, Hey, yeah, maybe curious kind of thing, or tell me a little bit more. Um, and to a prospect, a prospect is considered to be like, okay, somebody that, you know, wants to move forward or we need to make an offer to, or whatever the case is in that case. So, um, that's kind of how we, how we differentiate those two. Okay. And so I'm looking at the Lead to appointment day. So, what what number would you like to know in particular? Uh, just uh,
0: like, what's your average? And maybe you can just guess. Uh, you don't have to do the numbers, but like your average cost of marketing per
1: deal. Cost of marketing per deal. That's a good question. I threw um, I threw
0: you a curveball.
1: Yeah, no, that's cool. I like it. I love it. I would say that we are probably ours is actually decently low right now, um, just because of. I think we're getting some higher higher spreads on some things. So our average cost of marketing per deal right now is probably about $350, $400, mm-hmm. That's I would okay. say. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty low. Um, we've been much, much higher than that before. So how, so how
0: much are you spending on average per month in marketing?
1: Um, so per month, I would say we're probably at about, uh, I don't know, 35000 4000
0: I think a good rule of thumb for you all out there listening is you should you you should have it as a goal to spend your average uh, profit per deal in marketing per month. Does that make sense? So, if your average profit is five grand per deal, you should make it a goal to spend five grand a month on marketing. So, the first deal you do every month goes back into marketing, and that's a good rule of thumb, I think, to go backwards from there. And as you start growing. That number should be growing as well, but you can still do really good money just spending four grand a month, even though Luke I'm assuming your profits are much higher than that
1: yes, they are, and it's probably I like that rule though that's awesome i I really I like that and i I do think we, you know we have the ability to to ramp up a little bit um but the one thing that I did that was a mistake in the past was ramping up on marketing but not being prepared to actually handle it and do it. So I'm trying to make sure that we are covered. That's why, you know, bringing on the closing coordinator, um, we're going to be hiring a different set of folks to be able to help on the call side. And I want to make sure we have the infrastructure in place this time so we can actually do it effectively and not just be, you know, pouring money down the toilet in terms of marketing dollars.
0: I think a closing coordinator is going to help you tremendously because that's going to free up so much time, get somebody to handle that. How did you find your closing coordinator?
1: Uh, It's actually my brother. So he is, yeah, he's up in Pittsburgh and he's been working with my folks up there and he is, you know, super cool dude. He's my younger brother, love him to death. And uh, he's just a really, really cool dude. And he's really hungry to get into, you know, kind of get this thing up and running. And definitely I feel like the, you know, a lot of the time when you kind of get started on this stuff, it's very, very new right like you don't know what you're doing you have all these questions you got a lot of the same same questions that have been answered um multiple multiple times from multiple multiple people and it doesn't really matter for me at least i know like i can hear something five times and i still won't like it doesn't click for me but once i once i actually see it and i can do it and put my hands on it and actually get that that experience to happen that's when it kind of sets in for me so you know the way that I'm looking at it is he he is able to kind of see what it looks like at the end. Hey, here's what a you know a HUD statement looks like a settlement statement when we actually get you know the deal closed. Here's what this looks like. And because of that, here's all the pieces that went into preparing this. And here's how, you know, you, you kind of work backwards and reverse engineer it in a way. And once I, you know, for me at least it, it helped me kind of see the entire process from start to finish and answered a lot of my questions so that I didn't have the analysis paralysis piece of it and moving forward. So, you know, I think it'll just be a good fit for us. And then for him as well, I'm looking to, to get started on him, his business and growing his as well.
0: Nice. Okay. There, if anybody's curious too, we just hired our own closing transaction coordinator, but we found this person just through referral, somebody that we knew that we'd already been doing kind of deals with at a title company. And, uh, I believe I have to check to make sure, but this was somebody that, um, is just going to do it part-time with us on the side on top of her current job. But there are companies out there that will do virtual, their virtual closing transaction coordinators and they work with wholesalers. And I don't know the name of the website of a company that does that. I will look it up here when I ask you your next question. So I can cool. look while you're talking. <laughs> Let me ask you a, a few more questions. Um, What kind of follow-up are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, so it's a combination of um, phone calls and text messages. A lot of it is done within the CRM, which is awesome. Um, But we do call people back as well. So we just set a campaign. If it's something that we're not able to work right now, um, we'll put them on like a a text follow-up campaign and they'll receive some messages and stuff and then when they reply back to us you know one way or the other we typically give them a call at that point point. and then we also schedule a call for about every 30 days or so after we've kind of gone through our initial you know follow-up piece and the initial follow-up piece we try to at least get uh, 10 outbound contacts to them within the first i think it's like the first week Um, And that's a combination of text message, phone calls, leaving voicemails, all those kinds of things to try to get them on the phone. And if we're not able to do that by that point, then we add them to our our follow-up system that kind of does a lot of that automatically for us.
0: Now, who's doing the follow-up calls? Uh,
1: So that is our lead manager. Yep. She's mainly working on the the follow-ups and working through the list.
0: Okay. Nice. By the way, I did find two websites for people if you're interested in hiring Well, you know what? I found three websites, but it's all for the same company. This is a virtual closing transaction coordinating company. All right. And I have three different websites, and I don't know which one works. They all go to the same place. But let me give you the one I know that works. Onlineclosingteam.com. I have no reference or referral from these guys. I've never used them. But you might want to check them out. I know guys that are using them. Very happy with them. Onlineclosingteam.com. And here's another one, virtualclosingcoordinator.com.
1: Very cool. I will check these out as well. And you know,
0: the company's name is Transaction Management Consultants. So they also have a website, transactionmanagementconsultants.com. So try any one of those three. I thought there were three different companies looking at my Evernote here, but they all go to the same company. Check that out, guys, if you want. So you're there doing you follow-up. Go. What uh, percent of your deals, just guess, would come from your follow-up?
1: So a lot. It's it's actually – it was surprising to me um, how many people we get back kind of coming back to us a month, two months later. Um, I would say it's, it's definitely over 50%. Um, I, I would say that it's probably around 50, maybe 60% even like it's, it's rare that we're able to get, you know, the, the transaction kind of done right off the bat, right? Like that'd be, that'd be amazing, but it doesn't always happen that way. So you, you have to follow up and we've had a really good time in terms of just getting people back on the phone reestablishing a connection. Um, you know, after we've made an offer and hasn't worked out, but yeah, it's, it's a huge piece. Um, definitely, definitely over 50%, I would say comes from the follow up piece.
0: Awesome. And what would you say on average between the initial touch and the final touch? Does it take to do a deal?
1: That is a great question. Um, I'll have to. I actually want to know that number for real, so I will run that for you and let you know after this. But um, okay. I would say it's at least you know to to get like the actual contract signed. If we're looking at it from that kind of perspective, it's probably at least twelve or fifteen touches. Huh. You know, sometimes you get one. It's like hey. Two phone calls and let's sign a contract. as a great. But on average, I would say it's it's a good number. And we do try to work through it so that it's, you know, I think there I think there was a a percentage, right? If you're looking at it from the 80-20 the Pareto side of it, like you have to do a certain number to be able to get, you know, pull out those 20% that are gonna work for you. And a lot of people don't, right? Like a lot of the times if you're looking at it from, you know, 10 follow-up calls, that means that only two people out of the 10 are actually gonna do you know, 10 calls, right. Or whatever, whatever it needs to be done. So we, we do try to, you know, be in that smaller percentage so that we have a better chance of getting them done.
0: Yeah. Good. All right. So let's wrap this up here, Luke. I want to ask you about maybe some advice you can give because you and I are both kind of technical engineering minded. Yes. Probably not as smart as we think we are, but I, th- I, think I know <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we're still kind of like smart because we like to analyze technology, we like spreadsheets, we like math. But uh, would you give some advice to somebody who is kind of like us, where very technical, you overanalyze stuff, you dive deep into the details, you feel like you've got to have this blueprint for, like, if this happens, then this happens, and then that happens, and if that happens, then do this or that. But, like, with, you know, in, in science and in math, you have – one answer to every problem. And there's only one way to get to that answer. But it's not like that in real estate, is it?
1: No. Every
0: Every deal is different. Every seller is different because we're dealing with people and people are complicated. It's yeah. not simple. Okay. So uh, if anybody can relate to that, I think we have a few listeners who can. What kind of advice would you give to them, Luke?
1: Yeah. Great, great, great question. And I would say this. If if it is your goal to be like the the leader of a company and if you're looking to grow as a business and not just do this as like a part-time thing then you absolutely need to find somebody who has the opposite skill set that you do and what i mean by that is find somebody who's really good on the personal relationship communication aspect the sale aspect and just partner with them and work with them together because the hardest thing to do is try to say you know, if if that's who you are, that's who you are, right? Like, don't try to fight it and not be who you are, but don't get caught up in it. And if you, if you need to be the, the leader of your organization and leader of a company, then you either have, you know, one of two options, basically find somebody that can handle a lot of the personal, you know, people stuff, which is a huge aspect of the business, or hire somebody to do the stuff that you like doing and the technical stuff and have a programmer somebody or you know go to there's tons of resources out there to remove that stuff and just completely unplug yourself from like podio and all of that like don't do any of it so i wouldn't go half road on it like i would either have somebody in place that can do everything for you or find a partner that makes sense that can work with you well on the other side of it that you're going to be missing, because I, I haven't found a good way to balance both of those, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I'd say tying into that would be learn to focus on your highest revenue generating activities. And even though you're good at Podio, let me ask you something, Luke is your highest revenue generating activity messing around with Podio. Not at all. <laughs>
1: finding good relationships, man. It really yeah. is. That's what it's about.
0: Excellent. Cause you can find somebody who is good at Podio who can dive into those details. And if they're not, they can learn it really easily. So yeah, that's key. That's really, yeah. really important.
1: And, and just a little extra side note on that. Um, that's one of the things that I've done with our, with our team and one of our VAs, I've taught him a lot of the, you know, when I was doing a lot of this, the Podio, Globy flow, all that kind of stuff, I taught him stuff as I would do it. So as I would start, you know, building things and, um, all that kind of stuff. I would teach him that part of it. And now he, he's able to do a lot of that. So it is a good point, Joe, like what you just said, right? There's people out there that can do a lot of it and it's, it's really not that expensive either. Like I was shocked if you go on to Upwork and you can find people to do pretty much anything Uh that you would need done for relatively low costs. So definitely consider it when you're looking at your, your value add to your company, your business, and what you should be spending your time on as opposed to what's uh it's kind of the the shiny objects that we we get sucked into. I know I still yeah. do, but I'm working on it.
0: And you know what, Luke? They don't do it as well as we could do it, but who cares?
1: If it's done, I'm good with it.
0: <laughs> done is the new perfect. Write that yes, down, everybody. I love it. <laughs> good, excellent, Luke. Any final words of advice you'd give to somebody?
1: Oh man, um, yeah, really. Like just go out and it's really man. Final words of advice. So. I would say this, if you, depending on where you're at, if you're looking to get started on this and looking to get into real estate, the first thing that I would do is find somebody that is doing what you want to do and model what they are doing. It's like it it makes it so much easier when you can follow the the path of somebody, right? Whether it's a, a coach or a local person or whoever it is, just find somebody that is doing what you want to do or very close to what you want to do and model them because your learning curve will be cut down drastically if you do it that way. If you try to do it on your own, it's tough. It really is. So just find somebody to model.
0: We don't have to reinvent the wheel, do we? And
1: no, not at all. <laughs>
0: don't think like you have to be a pioneer, or that you can't do something because so many other people are already doing it. So many other people are doing it because it works so well, and you may even want to go into some of these deals and in some into some of these markets that Luke was talking about. And you know, I'm, I we're doing deals in Jackson, Mississippi as well. Yeah, but we're we're not competing against these deals. I didn't freak out and hyperventilate when I heard Luke. Was going to come on my podcast and talk about how he's doing deals in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> it's like, all right, come on, bring it on. You know, this is cool. Maybe there's some deals we could partner on together, Luke.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, and we have. You know, we're, yeah, we're working so on right. a couple, that's so right, it's yeah, it's it's not about competition. It's about collaboration. And if you find the right people, I think that you can do amazing things. So good, yeah, surround yourself with good people.
0: Luke, how can people get a hold of you?
1: So if you guys have any questions or anything, um, feel free to hop onto our website and just fill out a quick form. Um, a lot of that stuff will come over to us. So if you go to connectedinvesting.com, just feel free to shoot a message over to us and we will reach out to you guys, wholesalers, investors, anybody, um, if I could just help you. If you, you need a babysitter for a cat or something, I'm also, I love cats. So. <laughs>
0: connectedinvesting.com. I know, Luke, you've partnered with a lot of people on deals, uh, and so that's awesome. You may, somebody listening to this may have some deals in some of these markets, Pittsburgh, Jackson, Mississippi, and what was the other one, Charles, or Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah. yeah. Some of you guys in those areas may have some deals. You're looking for buyers. Maybe you have a deal under contract right now, and you're running out of time, and you're like, oh, no, what do I do? Well, reach out to Luke. He might have some buyers for you. He might not be able to buy it at the price that you have, but you could he could tell you what he would pay for it. And then you can go back to the seller and renegotiate. So that's why, man, I'm telling you guys, it's so important. Find if you can partner with Luke, that's awesome. But go out there and find the Luke's out there in your markets that are doing deals. Okay? Find those guys and see what are they what kind of buyers, they're not going to give you their buyers, but like they'll say, hey, listen, I'll partner with you on the on a deal. I got a buyer that wants that, and I know that he'll pay this. So why, if you get it under contract for that, we'll split the profits 50-50. I mean, what a win-win for everybody involved, right? Yeah. So I like your website, connectedinvesting.com, because that, that's, that's really, really good. All right, uh, Luke, can they also find you on Facebook or LinkedIn? Are you on social media at all?
1: Yeah, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, Luke Petroza and I am the the one with no hair. So my dad is also Luke Petroza, but he still has his. So.
0: <laughs> All right. Sounds cool. And you probably have some cats in the pictures. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking at your Skype picture right now and you got a what kind of cat is that?
1: Uh that is probably Kurt. Yeah, he's my he's my baby boy. And we have two others, so
0: <laughs> good for you, man. Hey, it has been a great This has been a great episode I think we've given a lot of really good gold nuggets for folks out there to uh, get some advice on yeah man
1: I hope I hope so and uh so I heard I learned a new a new phrase the other day and hopefully that there were you know I've heard golden nuggets and aha moments and I really like this one when I heard it so we'll call them truth nukes
0: Ooh. and <laughs>
1: yeah so I was you know being in the nuclear industry and and everything it just kind of works so I've I'm rolling with the truth. Truth nukes from now on.
0: I will. How about I put that as part of the podcast title? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, Luke. Luke from um, Charleston, South Carolina. Hopefully, no uh, nothing bad happens with this hurricane. Hopefully, it just kind of slows down and loses its strength, huh?
1: Yeah, we'll hope, hope for the best here, Joe. Thank all you right. so much for everything, man.
0: Thanks for being on the show. We'll see you. All right, take care. Hey, guys, if you want the show notes and the links and the stuff that we talked about, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Realestateinvestingmastery.com. Just do a search for Luke in the show notes, and this episode will be there at the top. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.